0: Of this uh, special look at the 2015 Guardians of the Galaxy animated series The perfect way really For us to take a look at some of the big elements That are in this Guardians Volume 3 movie In the cinemas right now uh, Or late this week You know we can't cover the movie just yet But we know High Evolutionary is the main villain We know Adam Warlock's going to be in it We know that Rocket Raccoon's um, history Is going to be a big part of this movie So We've dug through the episodes of this animated series, which brings loads of The Guardian's comic book stories to life. And we've found um, three episodes that reflect those big elements and gives us a chance to uh, dive into the sandpit to answer all the questions that you guys will probably have coming out or going into this movie. Who is the High Evolutionary? Who is Adam Warlock? What are their histories? what is rocket raccoon 's secret history in the Marvel Comics? Well, we can dive into all that and and throw out these uh, these elements and these layers that may have been adapted may have been changed completely in the movie but we 're going to get to uh, do that through this two thousand and fifteen uh, animated series. Not a huge amount of people out there um, that seem to have. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps it's an age thing. Perhaps mm-hmm. they not a huge amount of people watching it. It's not like a fondly remembered cartoon from their childhood mm. um, or, or their teens or something. Um, but it's certainly it's a it's a great series. It's done it's done really well. Um, money proper money was spent on it, um, especially with the musical choices. There's I think in almost every episode they've paid for a proper they paid the rights for a proper music. Um, it's not. You know, it's uh, there's there's lots of uh, rock tunes and um, popular tunes of the. You know, they kept that alive mm. from the movies. There's lots of tunes from the 70s and 80s in it. Um, in the first part, we took a look into uh, Will Preston's muggly mind. We had Mr. Hollywood take us behind the scenes on the uh, production of this series. Uh, we went behind the page to learn more about the. Uh, the many times Adam Warlock has been resurrected in the uh, comic book world, and why he's such an important figure in the Marvel universe. At one time, the most important figure. We paid a few bills. We give shout outs to the people that really matter, and let's shout them out again. I'm talking about that world class wrecking crew yes. here on Marvel versus Marvel, the foundation upon which this podcast is built Peter J., Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt. Zach Thomas, Beer, Sam, Bindi, Soupy, Jack Davis, Billy Brown, Zubair Q. That list keeps getting bigger. Some of you out there are listening to that and going, "Why does people keep? Why does why that list keep getting bigger? More and more people <laughs> keep doing the right thing. More and more people keep doing what you're not willing to do right now, what you're not not enough to do, and that's the right thing." Shout out to all the wrecking crew, keep us going. Um, Will. Yes. What do you think is it about right time? About the right time to press play. You think so? You think it's about time to kick it off? We're looking at three episodes, aren't we?
1: We're looking at three episodes, although I was a bit confused. We come up to the bit where we press play and and you're going, "Is, is it about time now?" Yes, we're here. It is time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, jumping out the bit, um we're first looking at uh, we're jumping we're not doing three episodes in a row, so there might be some recapping here mm. and there. Um the first one is season 1 episode 9, isn't it? We are family. Before we
1: start, there's a nice theme tune intro that sounds similar to the film. I heard.
0: Yeah, I can't work out if it's if it's just like a section from the from the theme song. I was trying to work.
1: Or... Yeah, I was trying to work it out. Either way, if they've done that, fine. If they've done something that sounds like it, great. Works, absolutely yeah. works. Get, gets the uh, get the atmosphere right down.
0: Anyway, let's start. Not the... <laughs> not as fun as like it's not as fun as having a full. Like what I want is like an eighties. Like a full 80s Saturday morning theme song That explains who the Guardians are Star Lord fires his guns Drax just, you know, hits people But like, Root is a living tree But done by Star- Stan Lee oh,
1: Where Stan Lee reads Guardians it
0: out the <laughs> do, do, do. Like that Fantastic Four song <laughs> oh, oh god, don't remind <laughs> me of that bloody Sue just fades from sight <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want from any cartoon A song that tells me the plot and who the characters are That's what I want
1: God. Anyway, onto the end This
0: is a bit too... Sophisticated and cool. (laughs) Yeah,
1: minimalist, if you will. Anyway, on a distant world, the Guardians explore the planet's surface for a rare mineral, while Drax and Rocket bicker about missing their families. While analysing rare crystals, the group is ambushed by robots who are after Rocket. While the group fights back, Rocket explains to Peter Quill that the robots are from the planet Rocket escaped from when he was being experimented on. The next second... Rocket launches a missile at the robot ship, which crashes in an explosion, triggering a landslide, throwing Star-Lord Drax and Gamora into a nearby river. Rocket and Groot continue fighting the robots, but the rest of the team plunge perilously down a waterfall. The robots overpower Rocket and Groot, taking them away as captives. At the bottom of the waterfall, Star-Lord and Gamora drag Drax out of the water and spot the robots taking Rocket and Groot away. There's a nice there was some really good back and forth uh, bickering uh, that I liked. Not not as funny as the film but ju- you know funny funny enough. And one of them <laughs> they're in the water. Drax, can't you swim? And he just goes, "Water is for cowards."
0: Yeah, it, there's a good a good dynamic to keep it up. It's not right. it's not like traditional like old Saturday morning cartoon uh, dynamics. It's um, it's a it's a nice fun. Um, it's it's, like it's taken from the movies. Yeah, it feels
1: just like that. So in the series, right, and in the movies, like right, Rocket is running away from a mysterious, mysterious, painful past. Uh, is that what is is that what he looks? What he's like in the Marvel comics? Because I played the Telltale series video game, where I explored some of that, and I'm wondering how much of that was made for that game.
0: Uh, yeah, no, not at all. He's, none of that. No, oh. <laughs> uh, he, he's he's cynical and he's sarcastic and mm. and he's violent. He likes a fight. Yeah, but clear. he he knows where he comes from. Mm. He knows who he is. He's not running from his past or traumatized by it. There isn't this. Eh, maybe is he traumatized? I don't think he's traumatized by it. Now there isn't this ongoing thread of him thinking I'm an abomination, just a thing they made. Yeah, like Rocket is. Probably the 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 most well-adjusted member of the team. Um, really, he's Pete's second in command. Um, in the comics, and when Star-Lord goes missing, presumed dead, or the team splits up, and yeah, the team splits up. And Star-Lord goes missing. Rocket like assumes leadership, brings the team back together, gets new members in, and and carries on the mission. He really believes in Star-Lord's mission for the team um and so when star lord goes he's like oh someone's got to yeah. keep the wheels on this thing baby so yeah very different that's very surprising here about how he's well adjusted what what's your, what your what's your opinion on the take of
1: the the film version of rocket in regards to that regards to his existentialism um
0: yeah it's it's in, i mean it's it's different i don't i don't often i don't spend a huge amount of time comparing like i i so, the the Abner and Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy comic book series mm. that kind of starts in Annihilation Conquest and moves on through is one of my all-time favourite comic series of all time. Mm. I, I, I adore it. Um, and, like, their version of Star-Lord is one of my favourite characters. Mm. He's subsequently, in comic books, been changed. Like... Not not massively, but a bit, and mm. I don't quite like that change. It's just the thing that happens in comics sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes the thing you really like is one particular writer's interpretation of the character over a few years, and mm. that might f- kind of change. So I'm kind of used to it being different and changing and stuff like that. I I vastly prefer that Peter Quill, that Star Lord, to the one in the movies. Yeah, but it it's not like I watch it and it hurts the way I watch the movies. And the same <laughs> with Rocket. Like, um, I really like Rocket in the comics, but um he's certainly funnier you know in the in the in the movies and so yeah i don't know it's it's um yeah, I don't think it's an. I I like the the darker aspects that they've mm. they've shaded in in terms of how miserable he can be and things like that. I yeah. think it's quite interesting. I, I, I love, love James Gunn's work in in movies. I think that the movies he puts together are brilliant. Yeah, he's very. Like, there's a complexity to I think all the characters. I'm excited for his DC universe. Oh, cannot wait. Cannot wait. Anyway,
1: back to the episode. On Half World, Rocket looks on in despair as he returns to a place he was hoping never to see again. After being stunned, Rocket and group wake up in the laboratory with the robots accusing Rocket of sabotaging their cosmic mineral mining operation. They explain to Rocket that the mineral is used for advancing evolution in animal test subjects. So, Half World, did that pop up in the film Half World?
0: As always, we don't know anything about rockets past. Of course, in, in, course, in the movies, yeah. I'm being a, a silly sausage. This may well be a major part of Volume 3. We I, don't know
1: yet. I reckon it could be. So, what what is Half World like in the original stories?
0: It's nothing like this. Half World is a, a planet in the Keystone Quadrant, which a section of space mm. that is essentially like bricked off from the rest of the universe by an impenetrable field. So imagine our solar system had something around it that stopped anything from coming in or going out. Yeah. Um, Half-World is a world of evolved, talking, sentient animals, Mm. robotic toys that sometimes kill, (laughs) and crazy humanoids called the loonies who constantly play, uh, are disconnected from reality and need a constant stream of fresh robotic toys to keep them entertained. It's kind of like a cyberpunk Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that's, that's what it sounds like. The animals wear clothes and talk and have built a full-on society with power structures and jobs and law and order. Um, Halfworld's commerce is driven by toy companies <laughs> who keep building all manner of robotic toys and creatures for the loonies to play with and then a bunch for themselves as well. Some of them harmless, some of them very deadly. Mm. Um, and during the Rocket Raccoon series, where the character is first introduced, well, uh, uh, no, no, not first introduced, he makes a minor appearance somewhere else, but during the Rocket Raccoon series, a great battle breaks out between the warring toy companies. It's the <laughs> Toy War, uh, which threatens to destroy Half-World completely. Amazing. Oh uh, yeah, do you reckon we'll, we'll we'll be handling that at some point? I doubt us uh, 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 on this show. Yeah. I there's no adaptation of it anywhere. Ah, uh, shame. Anyway, and maybe we'd maybe we do a bonus, maybe when we get round to covering volume 3, our bonus episode could be the entire Rocket Raccoon series. It's wild. <laughs> Um, you can't leave the listeners hanging like that <laughs> oh we're going we're, we've got more to talk about Like Mike <laughs> Mignola from Hellboy does all the artwork on this series yeah. it's lush to, to read it's really great oh, that's good
1: back to the episode a door opens and in walks two other enhanced raccoons Rocket's mother and sister his family complain about Rocket leaving them behind to run around the galaxy with Groot but Rocket quells the anger in the room by giving them a massive hug When Rocket asks where his brother is, his sister replies, smart enough to not get captured. The reunion conversation is cut short when the robots start shocking the raccoons and Groot, demanding that Rocket give them the information they want from him. How do you shock a tree? I don't know. How do you shock Groot? I don't know. they got magic. I don't know. they got science shockers that work on plant life. Okay. I don't know, mate. I'm just telling you what's going on in this wonderful cartoon. Rocket tells the robots that what they need is in a container. But the moment the container is opened, several of Rocket's weapons fly out, giving the raccoon the jump on the robots. Grabbing hold of his gun and firing at their captives, Rocket and Groot take down the robots and lead Rocket's family down the corridor as more robots fire at them. Just as they think they're about to escape, they are stopped by some shadowy figures aiming guns at them. I uh, I didn't think more... Uh, more talking raccoons could improve Guardians of the Galaxy, but I was wrong. <laughs> I, mean, I I loved I love these these extra raccoons. That I love the back and forth and the mum's kind of is that kind of a Brooklyn voice or something like yes, you don't even talk to us anymore, like kind of thing.
0: I I love that they're all as crotchety as Rocket. Yeah. It's, it's not like he, he's a crutchly guy in his family are, like they're all that's how they, that's how they communicate, that's how they talk to people they love. that's just who they are. you know and you know yeah. you, you'll know families like that as well.
1: yeah. so I take it he has a family in the comics.
0: no, uh, we in the original Rocket Raccoon series we don't meet any family. Oh. Um, he's a lo- he's kind of a loner, although it is interesting that in this series he has a brother called Ranger Raccoon. Mm. In the original Rocket Raccoon series, Rocket Raccoon is a ranger. That's his job title. Right. He's essentially a sheriff on Half World, a lawman. Mm. And the lawmen are called Rangers. Yeah. So Rocket is often called, well, sometimes called Ranger Raccoon. I thought you were going to say Rocket like Texas Officer Raccoon. Rocket Half World
1: Ranger, or like Walker Texas Ranger or what? something. <laughs> like. Oh, right. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no,
0: no. So they've used that Ranger from the original series and just kind of. Made it other characters Which is kind of fun
1: Okay That makes sense In a bit then The shadowy figures Order Rocket And his group To get down Before they open fire On the pursuing robots Behind the group When they step Into the light Rocket recognises The leader of this group As his brother Ranger Alongside Other evolved animals Blackjack O'Hare And Woolrus <laughs> Ranger escorts Everyone to the old lab Where Rocket came from which has now been inhabited by a host of different enhanced animals. And after taking a selfie with his family, Rocket is introduced to
0: Piko, a tortoise. That selfie was weird. Why well, was it weird? I don't know. It was just weird. Like, what? Why is he taking a selfie with his family? Well, it makes sense later, but I don't. I mean, time, it does he- from from, the, from Drax at the start and the think to the end, but it just seemed like a really forced thing to yeah. do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. So we, uh, Rocket, introduced to Pico, a tortoise who leads the animals at the lab. Pico is thankful that Rocket managed to bring some of the rare evolution mineral, but something seems off about the leader. Um, I would say I, w- I was going to say I hope we get a, a Rocket family reunion like this in Volume Three, but who knows what we'll see. Uh, all I know so far is there's an otter in the trailer.
0: So yeah, that's that's Lila. Oh, I'd imagine that's Lila. Okay, we're gonna. But well, I'm
1: I'm just happy with an otter. I'm I'm happy seeing <laughs> uh, you know watching a film and oh there's an otter. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Also, um, while writing the notes for this episode, I kept getting the name of the rabbit wrong. I kept putting Bucky O'Hare. Right, it's so similar. It's so similar. You have a rabbit anthropomorphic uh, a rabbit character who's got a gun. And then you called it O'Hare and I'm going like, yes, Bucky O'Hare. No, I barely watched Bucky O'Hare back in the 90s.
0: Bucky Captain Bucky O'Hare He goes where no uh, Ordinary rabbit would dare mm, Love that show Love that I had the action figure Yeah I've I seen... might have been a bit Too old for it you see But yeah. I was I loved it I had I remember buying it From Argos Yeah and, uh, No Index The catalogue And I got the Bucky O'Hare It was so bright And colourful and cool not, not to go down this yeah. hair
1: hole But it, it did make me think That when I first saw The video game series Star Wing Which then became Star Forks I thought it was A Bucky O'Hare tie-in Or something um, it, oh, yeah. Because you think it's like a uh, futuristic spaceship piloted by anthropomorphic animals. Yeah. And you're going, this is Bucky O'Hare, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. God. I, oh, God. The 90s were so much fun in that respect. So, Blackjack, Blackjack, not Bucky, Blackjack O'Hare and Walrus are these characters from the comics?
0: Yes, they are. Oh, fantastic, um, fantastic. And I, I'm fully convinced Bucky O'Hare is based on Blackjack O'Hare and ripped it off. Da, that, that
1: would make sense, actually, yeah. Because
0: they look similar. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, not colour-wise, but yeah. So Blackjack O'Hare is a mercenary from Halfworld. He's the leader of the Black Bunny Brigade, who... Uh, <laughs> Cutthroats and ne'er do wells that work for the highest bidder. Where are their black bunnies? Um, it was all
1: sounding really badass until that name,
0: and uh, <laughs> yeah. They, so they they went for the highest bidder, and and that that brings that brings Blackjack into conflict with Rocket, mm. um, quite quite a lot. Who's a lawman? Um, Blackjack is kind of a Han Solo figure, sort mm. of. He's a bit darker than Han Solo. Um, walrus. I think is how I've always pronounced it in my head. Not Wal It should be walrus, shouldn't it? But to make it uh, to because it's two. The word, the name is two. It's wal and rus.
1: Ah, uh, um, okay. Well, which well,
0: I get. Maybe it's walrus. I don't know. I know it's meant to be walrus, but in my mind as a kid, I always pronounced it walrus. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know why. So he's Rocket's closest friend. Um, the first mate aboard Rocket's ship, the Rack and Ruin. Um and uh, he's uh, the uncle of Rocket's true love, an otter called Lila. Mm. Um, who we see an otter in the trailer for the movie. I think that's probably who we're going to meet. Who knows? Yeah, Um, she was in the Telltale series game. mm. Yeah, Walrus has cybernetic tusks that contain a series of gadgets and can fire energy blasts in a battle. Oh,
1: I love
0: this.
1: I mean, I love It's all... a
0: trip. The Rocket Raccoon yeah. series is a trip.
1: I love it. I mean, it, it, it was already with the when I saw the trailer for the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and I was like, there's a talking raccoon. I, I'm going to need a run-up to get on board with this. And now it's just like, yeah, we're fine with
0: the talking raccoon. There's a whole bunch of other talking animals now. Right, so... Here we go. Uh, Rocket appears in this series in the in the eighties or whatever mm. and then kind of vanishes. Couple more appearances. No one ever mentions him again. Um, Groot was a monster. We talked about this on we the did. Guardian episodes. He's a he's a monster that predates the Marvel universe, sort of. Like he, he was a, a monster character in one of the old 1950s, nineteen sixties Atlas comics mm. characters. He was a big talking tree monster. When they're doing the uh, Annihilation series and they're like, we're going to use all the cool cosmic space characters, a writer called Keith Giffen, right? Mm. Keith Giffen writes funny stuff. He's wrote loads of amazing funny stuff for DC Comics. Um, he keeps pitching this idea of, okay, we're doing all the cosmic characters. I want Rocket Raccoon to come back. And they're like, no, we're not bringing that weird talking raccoon back. He goes, no, yeah. We're bringing it back, and he's got a um, – uh, his partner is a houseplant, and it's Groot. Remember Groot? Groot, but a little houseplant. And everyone's just like, shut up, Keith. And then by the time they do the sequel to Annihilation, the Conquest series, Abner and Lanning have come along, and they've gone, that's actually a really good idea. We're going to do it. We're going to have them. They're going to be like mercenary characters. Yeah. They're going to be outlaws. So, yeah, that's um – um. yeah that's kind of how we eventually we a bit like a bit like adam warlock you know characters Mm. that seemingly vanished forever and then some writer comes along and goes remember that weird series let's do that
1: that's what i love when we do this podcast uh you know obviously it's a good chance to catch up with you and talk and see your pretty face but i love is is when you get this like like, this big character was originally something else that got (laughs) abandoned then a, a writer came along decades later and went uh, let's do, we could Gotta do. feed my
0: coke habits. i <laughs> know. I know what to do.
1: I wasn't going to say it like that. I was thinking more like, no, 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 no. I know exactly what we're going to do. And they, yes. they oh. think outside the box and they bring something in. I love it. I love finding out about this.
0: The, the, this Guardian series is, is that. the the, the comic book series is that to the max Mm. you you could never have looked back and said that weird raccoon character from one series of like four or five issues in the 80s Mm. would be the top selling toy in america yeah based on a move and that's exactly what happened the rocket gun was one of the big and and the Groot. like it's just it's amazing what 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 can be done and hopefully it means that the people who uh, invest in Marvel Comics, Disney, will keep letting writers and artists be weird and yes. create comics that don't make any money, really, and go, because you never know what's going to happen. That's all, That should be all R&D. That, like, whatever Marvel Comics loses in a year making amazing comics and stories and characters, Disney should just swallow and go, yeah, that was just research and development. One of them becomes a billion-dollar movie. We're fine. <laughs>
1: On one hand, someone could say like, "Oh, that's quite a cynical capitalist look at it." But on the other hand, it's like, "No, that's actually quite a good model."
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's a good model, but I just, I, I, I kind of like, like No it. one's buying or reading comics anymore, so I just, I, I need, I need a sugar daddy to keep pumping money into the thing I love <laughs> because that's the only way it survives. Yeah. So sounds
1: like a side business you're the half doing it's not making <laughs> any money but you provide for it anyway because you you want you want to support them no i'm not, no, I'm not i didn't I, mean that in a kind of horrible way i mean you know just kind of when like,
0: i first started out as a writer i had a regular client that would Work with me every couple of weeks yeah. and for a while it was it was really really helping out and I'd never met this client this comedian I never yeah. met them I didn't know anybody else that knew them and for a while I was wondering is this like someone in my family pretending <laughs> to need help with stuff just to just to like put a bit of money my way a bit oh, of work my way yeah. um, thankfully it isn't but um you can imagine that that happening couldn't you just like uh surreptitiously mm. pretending to need yeah your, your lawn mode every three days to support your brother yeah who started a new gardening business or something yeah I, I i get that
1: anyway back to the episode walking inside the old lab rocket is shocked to hear the voice of the ai from the old lab something he is scared of sorry, so sorry shocked to hear the voice of the ai from the old lab something he is scared of but the ai tells that tells rocket that pico is experimenting on the animals in the lab while this is something the ai did in the past leading to rockets evolution the machine learned the error of their ways not only that but the machine discovered a way to reverse the evolution process Suddenly Pico enters and explains his plan to use the mineral to further evolve the animals to destroy the robots once and for all. Much to Rocket's horror, Ranger willingly steps into the evolution machine and is transformed into a hulking feral beast. Pico orders Ranger to kill Rocket and Groot and the monster follows Pico's orders without question. After evading Ranger, Groot manages to tear the evolution mineral from the evolution machine and throws Paiko across the room while Rocket knocks out Ranger. So Paiko, another Marvel villain, who you kind of get what they're doing and you know why they're doing it, but are ultimately wrong.
0: Are they wrong? like what's what's the bad bit here?
1: For, for, it hurts. Put, well, I, I I think turning someone into a f- hulking feral beast.
0: But, oh, you know, that bit, yeah. But the yeah. general bit of making, of taking a, a raccoon and giving it sentience—is that oh, wrong the, and evil? The rat, Well, that bit's fine. It's the further <laughs> evolution
1: bit. I'm on about you, silly Billy. I suppose so. I suppose so. So this, I assume, is how animals like Rocket become sentient in the comics. It's through technology. It's not a natural process, obviously. That's going
0: to be the case, no. isn't it? What that is the deal what? with Half world <laughs> Oh no. Thousands of years ago, a unknown planet hmm. and race of humanoid aliens decided to remove all the insane people from its society. Okay, they packed them into a spaceship, right, with a group of scientists and therapists who built a world for them called Half World. Okay, and after Half World, they went on Half World. The insane people are left to live without any. Uh, other sane people around them. What they have for company are lots of lovable animals that have been brought along for the journey okay. and left on Half World to be their therapy companions. Okay. And factories that keep building robotic toys to keep them entertained. <laughs> but then, just like all social healthcare programs, the funding gets cut. <laughs> <laughs> All the therapists and scientists and overseers are recalled back to their home world and told, just leave them, leave the lunatics there. So they abandon this world of robots, animals, and lunatics. And they just live out their days on what is meant to be a paradise. A barrier is built around the quadrants so no one can get in to harm the lunatics, but also they can't get out to harm anyone else. The robots are tasked to... Sort of care for the lunatics, like build them the toys. The loonies they become known. In the original Rocket Raccoon stories, it's it's sort of said. With that being said, that basically what happened is the animals just evolved into sentient beings and built their society around the loonies and the robots. <laughs> they take charge of the robotic factories, and off we go. Um, <laughs> that's wow. that's how. So this society, um. Like Rocket keeps getting bugged by these lunatics that dress up in police outfits and try to help him with his cases, and he keeps yelling at them, you're not cops! You don't know what the police are! You just found those costumes! Stop trying to help me! Um, They have a religion built around their Bible that they found, Mm. that none of them can read um and they think it's going to it should explain everything but they've no idea what it says it's this all yeah in a later series it was suggested that the robots hated looking after the loonies because the robots are logical beings logical mm. computer programs trying to live and work with illogical insane people so they just abdicated the role and they took animals, made the animals sentient and said, you look after them, you be their carers. Mm. But that's not in the original stories and it's subsequently retconned away out of existence, I think. So I'm going to ignore that change. God. Because it, it was only there for a little bit. I was about to say, is yet
1: more wild stuff from Halfworld. Oh.
0: Halfworld's insane. Oh. I read these comics when I was a kid and <laughs> so... It's so weird. I, I had a bunch... It was a bunch of back issues. I bought a few of them. I had... Of the five or six issue series, I had, like, two of the comics. And there were backups in something. So I read them. And it was so odd. And then, like... But, look, there were no superheroes in it. There's no Avengers. There's no Spider-Man. It's hard to even know if it, if it is Marvel. And then, years and years and years later, I didn't... Rocket Raccoon is around. And I'm going... That... I. Sort of know that guy from my childhood. I'm not sure how. Um, it was a very strange return of something that I'd half remembered from when I was a little kid. Um, because if you just read something a few times, but then it never, like, if you read Spider Man, if you had two Spider Man issues, but then Spider Man was never published again, you'd probably quite forget the guy. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. You'd go, ah, I don't know something about a spider and a guy <laughs> climbing walls. Yeah,
1: weird. <laughs> Mad. Taking the rest of his family and grew out of the lab on hoverbikes, Rocket's mother is shocked to see Ranger's new beast form. Arriving at the robot's base, Rocket surrenders to the roots and questions, sorry, the robots and questions about the way to reverse the evolution process. Providing the robots with a small sample of mineral to gain their trust, the robots set up the equipment to reverse the evolution process. The next second, Quill flies in, in the Milano, blasting music out to save Rocket, but the raccoon explains how the robots are now on their side. But just then, Pico rides in on a hoverbike, hauling a trailer, carrying Ranger, as well as Blackjack and Walrus, who are now both evolved into hulking monsters too. So you get the idea from Star-Lord's entrance that they had to do the best they could for pop music without the license for songs, because it sounded like a generic kind of...
0: No, no, it's Funk Funk by Cameo. It's proper, they, it, every episode, No way! Virtually every episode, they've spent big money on a proper tune. It's a 70s funk song. Oh, I feel yeah. really stupid. It's now. not. It's not. You know. It's not. What? It's not quite like coming out to to you know Iron Maiden or something like that. But mm. yeah, every, every episode they uh, they got they got virtually every episode they've got something. Cause, well, because yeah. I
1: looked at the episode titles and every episode title is either a play on or the direct name of a song. Yeah, this yeah. One's or lyrics like "Should We a Family?" Yeah. So, Pico is, is he a villain in the comic books?
0: Um no well no no um he's a he's a toy maker one of these like the mm. best toy maker in all of half world and he builds killer robots <laughs> uh, <laughs> clowns killer clowns excellent um, he worked for a uh, company called mayhem mechanics um mechanics spelt with two K's mech an mm. oh, um, yeah and he works for this guy called Judson Jake, who owns the, the, the big toy company. Um, and he's like their main toy company. And he yeah, he builds these killer clowns that, that are known as the Psycho Circus. Um, anyway, he, at some point during the toy war, steals the sacred text of the Loonies, which is the, the Gideon Bible, which no one can read, indecipherable. Um, but they believe it to be... Uh, g- Given to them by their creators mm. um, who they call the um, uh, they call them the ther- they call them something the shrinks. Mm. They call their 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 creators the shrinks. Mm. Um, and uh Pico discovers he's able to actually decipher the Gideon Bible and he learns the true story of Half World. This is actually the ship's log of a spaceship called the Gideon. <laughs> and that's the ship that brought all the animals, the yeah. original animals, and the original humanoids to Halfworld and the robots. So he learns the the, the whole dark secret of Halfworlds, and that they're sort of the animals are sort of a bit of a cosmic joke. Um, and it turns him from this kind of loyal member of the society into a rebel that wants to do away with it all and let everyone know. And he joins Rocket's guerrilla army. Nice, nice. The Guardians battle the evolved monstrous
1: animals while Rocket leads his family after Piko. Gamora and Drax take on Walrus together while Rocket grabs onto Pico's hoverbike. Sabotaging the tortoise's bike, the vehicle crashes to the ground but takes down one of the robots with it from the lab. Recovering the wreckage of the robot, it explains to Rocket that there's only enough charge for one animal to be devolved. Piko tries to wrestle control of the devolve machine from Rocket, but the Raku fights him off and fires the devolve ray at the planet's barrier, bouncing the energy off and onto all the animals below, turning Ranger, Blackjack and Walrus into their non-monstrous forms, and Piko into a normal tortoise. Knowing that there's seconds before Rocket and his family will devolve back into non-sapient creatures, he and his mother hug. The next moment, Rocket's family changes back into normal animals, but Rocket is unaffected as according to the robot, the process used on him was different. As Rocket gives a tearful goodbye to his family, the robot promises him that they will take good care of all animal life on Halfworld. Exiting Halfworld on their spaceship, the Guardians comfort Rocket whose only memento of this family is the selfie they took together. Uh,
0: that worked nicely. That that looped back around to the very start and Drax looking at his family.
1: It was know. good. It was very good. It was
0: just quite forced in the moment when it, he took a selfie with them. It was just weird.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, there was another great line here. Ever wrestled a giant walrus? Not professionally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've talked about the toy war. <laughs> the it's, toy war yeah we uh, when are we going to talk about that
0: we'll do it now <laughs> okay that's cool so the 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 whole commerce of half world the whole capitalist system is built around factories that make toys mm. um, very sophisticated robot toys for the loonies and also um they also make them for uh, the other the other animals and, and and gadgets and things and that is run by uh, judson jakes and lord divine Divine spelt D-Y-V-Y-N-E. they N E. They're just got to mess around with names in <laughs> this period of time. Yeah. Um, so they, they own the two biggest toy companies, their fierce and bitter rivals. And our story begins when Judson sends his killer clowns to assassinate Lord Divine. And this starts the toy war between the two competing companies. And it's massive and it threatens to like ruin the end half-world society. Uh, Blackjack O'Hare is then hired by Lord Devine to kidnap Lila the Otter, who is Judson's daughter and heiress to the com- his company. Devine wants Blackjack O'Hare to marry Lila, take control of Judson's company as the new boss, um, but Blackjack double-crosses his boss, and he's like, <laughs> I'm going to take control of this company myself. Um <laughs> But Lila is the one true love of Rocket Raccoon. She's been kidnapped and forced into this thing that's going on. So he's like, I'm going to get involved in this war then, and I'm going to kill everyone until my my otter is free. Um, And eventually, Blackjack ends up kind of flipping sides and teaming up with uh, Rocket and Lila. They discover the truth about their world from Pico. They learn about the lunatics and the therapists and everything. Eventually, the band of rebels take the Gideon Bible or the ship's log of the Gideon, hmm. to like the the robotic central, where there's like, a head robot. It's not called an AI, because that term wasn't really knocking around back yeah. then. They take it to the head robot, and they feed the Bible, the truth of Half-World, to the head robot, in charge of all the robots. And when it learns the truth about the loonies, um, it's able to build a new toy, a toy that can cure them of their insanity. Um, And so uh, a travelling circus is set up to go around town, to go around the whole world delivering toys to the loonies to restore their sanity to them. And eventually the toy war ends with the animals, the loonies and robots kind of all coming back together, trying to unite for the very first time and rebuild their, their world after the war. Meanwhile, Rocket and his ship, the Rack and Ruin, Is finally able to uh, break through the barrier and leave the keystone quadrant and get out to the rest of the marvel universe
1: season 2 episode 30 evolution rock previously on guardians of the galaxy the guardians needed to steal something from thanos's old satellite headquarters but discover it is now in custody of The Avengers! The Guardians and the Avengers clash with both Star-Lord and Ant-Man being trapped on board the satellite as it plummets from orbit. The satellite containing Star-Lord and Ant-Man plummets to Earth, heating up on re-entry. But Star-Lord is able to use a freeze ray to cool it down to survive the heated arrival back to Earth. As the satellite falls towards farmland, Ant-Man busts open the hatch and calls for help. Commanding a group of ants on the surface near Drax, Gamora, Captain America, Iron Man and the Hulk, Ant-Man is able to get the team to look up into the sky.
0: I did think at one point that Ant-Man was going to try and have ants stop a satellite from falling out of the sky.
1: I thought that, and I was like, okay, that kind of works, I guess. Um, (laughs) Seeing that Star-Lord and Ant-Man are in peril, Cap gets Hulk to jump into the air and capture the falling satellite to bring Star-Lord and Ant-Man to safety. When Drax asks where Groot, Rocket, and Captain Marvel are, they realize those three must have been captured. I liked the uh, use of the Avengers theme film thing when Hulk catches the satellite. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good theme. Uh, also, great to see a nice crossover episode happening here because I know they popped up in Avengers Assemble, but do the, they? It, well, a, a version of the Guardians of the Galaxy did pop up in. Right. Sorry, not, no, sorry, Earth's Mighty oh, Heroes. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, though, with that said, when do the Guardians of the Galaxy first meet the Avengers? Is it like this? Is it by accident? Is it because of something else like to do with Thanos? Or what,
0: how, how does it happen? Well, the first time the Guardians of the Galaxy meet the Avengers is in the 1970s with the original Guardians of the Galaxy team Okay, that we talked about that first came about in the end of the 60s, the 69 team. Hmm. Um, so there is this Godlike being called Korvac, hmm. who the the original Guardians of the Galaxy are from many, 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 many thousands of years in the future, and in this pine there is a godlike being called Korvac, who is one of their big enemies, and Korvac Korvac kind of ascends into this insane level of power, um, godlike. Hmm. Um, he is. He becomes so not godlike in terms of Thor or Odin or Hercules, but he becomes a being like beyond Galactus almost. Oh, wow. Um, and he sets out, he wants to take control of the very fabric of reality to correct what he sees as chaos and Mm. what he sees as injustice, which would involve a lot of not even deaths. He'd wipe things out of existence. Um, so he travels. So, the first thing he does is completely conceal his presence from any other omnipotent being. Mm. So, none of the other giant creatures of the Marvel Universe can detect him. And he travels back in time to Earth of the 20th century, poses as a normal human being living a normal life. He's named Michael, and he is waiting for the day when he's going to start his plan, and he's learning a bit more about humanity. The Guardians of the Galaxy follow Korvac back to the past, and that's when they team up with the Avengers for the first time. Ah. Um, and uh, they, they have to track down this. He could be anybody. There's no way of detecting him. So one of the Guardians is called Starhawk, hmm. who in the movies is just Sol- Sylvester Stallone under a jacket. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. But in the comics, Starhawk is a very powerful, Silver Surfer-level cosmic being mm. um korvac discovers um sorry starhawk discovers korvac and he's like i've found him but instead of going to tell anyone else he's like i will fight you one-on-one <laughs> korvac disintegrates starhawk obliterates him and then recreates him from scratch from atoms mm. but removes the ability for Starhawk. To even perceive Korvac as existing, mm. so just completely boom. In in the split of an eye, he's just killed, rebuilt, removed the ability to see him. Eventually, Iron Man tracks down this weird energy signal to like a a residential neighborhood in Queens, New York, and the Avengers and the Guardians go up to the front door, knock, knock, knock. Hello, have you seen any cosmic beings? Um, <laughs> And it's very, very tense because mm. you know who Korvac is, but the Avengers don't, and it's just the mm. Guardians don't. It's super, super tense. Mm. Um, and what happens is, eventually, Starhawk gets really annoyed because he keeps seeing his teammates talking to a wall to nothing because <laughs> Korvac removed starhawk's ability to even perceive him yeah. so he's like why are you talking to thin air and a huge huge battle a huge fight um kicks off um Kovac was one of the creepiest villains i ever read as a kid growing up mm. um just because his power level was insane and he was clearly insane as well. He was clearly, mm. like, emotionally damaged and unhinged, and you did not know what was going to happen. And he, in this story, kills all of the Guardians and all of the Avengers. It's Ooh. The callback story is wild. Yeah, that does sound wild.
1: At an alien lab, Rocket, Groot, and Captain Marvel lie strapped to surgical tables. As they bicker, one of the aliens, an insect hybrid, flies in and activates the surgical equipment which scans Rocket before attempting dissection. Rocket tells Groot to grab a laser cutter and free them, but Groot only manages to free Captain Marvel before more hybrid creatures enter the room to restrain her. The master of these strange creatures then reveals himself, the High Evolutionary. This being needs Thanos's asteroid to power his machinery. It was also him who was responsible for crashing the satellite out of orbit. Seeing himself as more of an artist than a scientist, the High Evolutionary explains his plan to experiment with Groot and Captain Marvel while throwing Rocket into a cell with other rejects. This is the second episode involving evolution experimentation. Is that a running theme with Guardians of the Galaxy?
0: No, No, not at all. Just a
1: coincidence. Who is the because yeah, hi- there's no there's no nope. there's
0: no exploration of rocket's backstory in the mm. guardian series he's not you know there there isn't kind of any of, of that going on uh no it's just um they're covering a lot of cosmic characters mm. and we we've so there obviously is in the movie in yeah. volume 3 there's yeah, obviously yeah. a theme of evolution which is why they've gone for the High Evolutionary and Rocket, and so mm. we've picked those episodes that that, that that fit in together.
1: Ah, I see, I see. So, who is the High Evolutionary? Let's just uh, talk about him.
0: He's a bloke from uh, Manchester called Herbert. <laughs> Seriously, um, yeah. He first appeared, appears in Thor <laughs> in the, in the mid sixties. Herbert Edgar Wyndham, uh, born in Manchester, student at Oxford in the in the thirties. He takes a work. He takes an interest in the work of a genetic biologist called Nathaniel Essex, um, also known to the rest of us as Mister Sinister. Yes, um, and he starts experimenting with genetic manipulation, and he builds a machine which is able to evolve the rats in the basement into bigger creatures. Hmm. Um, he. Is so. Th- I think there's a mysterious stranger that gives him some secret knowledge, and that stranger turns out to be one of the Inhumans. Mm. I forget why that happened, but anyway, um, he uh, is his first big success is evolving his pet Dalmatian into a humanoid life form Ooh. with the intelligence of a chimpanzee, an absolute abomination.
1: <laughs> oh no! But do you know what I'm seeing in my head? You know, combination
0: to man and god.
1: A Dalmatian. Oh, right, okay. I'm seeing the Dalmatian man from Community in my head.
0: A furry. You're seeing a furry. furry.
1: This better not wake anything in the me. The high
0: evolutionary is a furry's dream, I tell you. <laughs> uh, uh, the, 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 the Dalmatian gets shot by poachers. Oh, God. Uh, and he's like, oh, you know what? Maybe suburbia is a terrible place to do this. Mm. Um, so he gets into a partnership with another scientist called Jonathan Drew. Jonathan Drew is the father of Spider-Woman. Okay. Um, and off they go to a secluded section of a Bulkland nation called Transia, and they <laughs> buy and have ownership of Vondagore Mountain. Mm. Um, Vondagore Mountain crops up loads in Marvel. It's where the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were born and raised. Um. It's a bunch of other weird, um, demonic stuff happens there as well. Anyway, um, there are uranium reserves in this mountain. And as, uh, as Drew and Wyndham are conducting their experiments, they get, uh, radioactive poisoning. Um, Wyndham builds a suit of protective armor for himself. And he basically looks like a robot from that point on. Um, and, uh, His research assistant is Miles Warren, who would later go on to become the Jackal, the supervillain that clones Spider-Man. Okay, I remember. He's really connected to a whole bunch of crazy stuff in Marvel. He's Wyndham is able to make more and more breakthroughs in genetic uh, manipulation and acceleration. Local animals. He turns local animals into half-human, half-animal beings that he calls the New Men. (laughs) <laughs> and they worship him as the, their father and their god the new men <laughs> yeah yeah i love that um and uh jonathan drew he left because of the radiation poisoning and it made him mad mm. and he comes back to vundagor um and he's gone bonkers um, and oh, or no, no, he's possessed by an ancient magician. Yes, he's possessed <laughs> by the spirit of an ancient magician. No. <laughs> yeah, no, come on, stay with it. And because he's possessed by the spirit of an ancient magician from like medieval times, he takes the new men in and he's like. He teaches them the ways of chivalry and the knights of... And they all become knights on horseback. <laughs> These, like, dogs and and and, and serpent men. Um, and he calls them the Knights of Vundergar. Um, and they begin to refer to uh, Herbie, Herbert Vindham, as the Lord High Evolutionary. Um, right. So, yeah, he does an awful lot of um, genetic manipulation and can create things from nothing. Excellent. Do you, do do you think the original like... <laughs> backstory of Spider Woman? Yeah, the original backstory at the end of her first app issue, mm. she makes a shocking discovery about her existence. Mm. She thinks she's a woman that was given the powers of a spider. She's not. She is a spider that um. The Lord High Evolutionary turned into a woman, and she like throws up, and she she yeah. goes insane. The finding out that she was an insect yeah. drives her mad, and it was so distasteful. Marvel went, "Ooh, no, that was a bad one. <laughs> Let's just immediately change it so that isn't the case."
1: Bloody uh, hell! Yeah. All that I can insect. think now is Father Ted. Oh, they got a spider baby. It's got the body of a spider <laughs> but the mind of a baby. How do you know that? They keep it in a pram. <laughs> there you go, folks. Spider babies. Do you think we're gonna see Manche- Mancunian scientist in volume three when they deal with the high evolutionary, or they're just gonna change him to some no. kind of weird It'll alien? He'll just be being? some kind of
0: I imagine an alien cosmic being, yeah. That's fair enough. That's fair enough, I guess.
1: At Avengers HQ, Hulk tries to lift Thanos's asteroid that has crashed into the building, but fails to do so. Cap explains that the asteroid poses a threat to humanity if they don't remove it. Getting impatient with the fact that they could have been searching for their missing teammates instead of helping the Avengers, Star-Lord colludes with Gamora and Drax to steal the Avengers' Quinn jet and get out of there. However, when they try to fly the jet, they are caught out by Ant-Man, who agrees to help them find their friends. Given this uh authoriz given his authorization, Ant Man and the Guardians fly off into space, much to the disappointment
0: of Cap. I'm not angry with you, Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man. Yeah. Just
1: disappointed. He's yeah, he's he's he, he, he is would, a bit
0: he's a bit miffed. I wouldn't want to disappoint Captain America. That that's yeah, I'd rather that punch, would feel bad, I think.
1: I'd rather be he punch me in the face and he just say I'm disappointed and you will. At the High Evolutionary's lab, the powerful being has already started draining Groot and Captain Marvel's abilities into his own body. The process will kill the two heroes. However, the next second, the Quinjet is picked up on sorry, is picked up on the High Evolutionary's radar. On the Quinjet, Cap angrily calls Ant-Man as to why and asks why he stole the jet. But they hang up just as the High Evolutionary opens fire on them.
0: I wouldn't hang up on Captain America. Yeah. A lot of disrespect going on here to Cap.
1: I I know. He he would be further disappointed in you. That's that's, (laughs) that's two lots of disappointment. As Groot and Captain Marvel are drained further, Rocket manages to escape his bonds before freeing Captain Marvel, who now no longer has the ability to use her photon blasts the High Evolutionary flies outside his ship using his newly gained photon blast to send the Quinjet plummeting to Earth. So he's very powerful, it seems, the High Evolutionary. Is he particularly a, a, a
0: fearsome, powerful being? Oh, he's insanely powerful in the comics. Oh, insanely damn. powerful. For a, a lad from Manchester, he done very well for himself. <laughs> he done um, well. He starts experimenting on himself, and he evolves his intelligence beyond that of human right his, wow
1: i love this. he's the
0: only known um human whose intelligence and knowledge is listed in marvel as being equal to cosmic entities like wow. galactus and yeah. them um he he's he's just he's the leading expert on on almost every science uh <laughs> it, it, but but particularly genetic genetic science yeah um so he's he has this cybernetic exoskeleton. Um, he's enhanced his brain. And he he's pushed himself to the point where he has godlike powers. Hmm. He can, at a whim, with the snap of his fingers, evolve and de-evolve life forms. Bloody hell. He can turn a dog into a humanoid and vice versa. Um, he has incredible... Um, Strength your ability. He can grow, he can shrink he, he can manipulate energy He can manipulate matter at a subatomic level um, He has Cosmic awareness So he knows what other cosmic beings are doing He has telepathy, telekinesis He can see the future sometimes He can travel to different dimensions um, He built a second Planet Earth From scratch Oh Counter-Earth was him, he built it Bloody hell He just he went, I need a different place to experiment on And just built a replica of the entire world Fine, um, well I'll make my own planet Earth With blackjack yeah. and hookers uh, and, and was able to greatly accelerate the evolution And the passage of time on that planet So that everything was up to... 20th century within a blink of an eye Um, Galactus discovers Counter-Earth and is like Ooh, (laughs) num-nums I have no pact with Reed Richards about Destroying this place (laughs) Off I go to gobble it up And the High Evolutionary Gets into a fist fight With Galactus Amazing He makes himself as big as Galactus And just starts punching Gallon in the face And like, stay away from my Earth My children um so the high evolutionary an ordinary dude that experiments on himself and uses his tech and knowledge to become a cosmic entity that can fight galactus. We're talking a lot about evolution here will. Yes. Evolution. It's a mystery think <laughs> it's probably about appropriate that we now talk to all of the listeners out there About how it's time they evolved How they need to level up Because mm. right now, you're at level one Level one, don't get me wrong, it's a decent level You're listening to the podcast, you've done not bad for yourselves It's time to level up, it's time to evolve It's time to become a more sophisticated being it's time to be a part of this community. Because right now, you're listening to us each and every week. You're downloading, you're gobbling up like Galactus, thousands of hours of entertainment without even saying thank you. Yes. Without giving anything back to the MVM community. So it's a time that you guys became evolved beings over at patreon.com slash Marvel. That's where you can support the show. For as little as £3 a month, the price of a cup of coffee. You have more than one cup of coffee a month, folks. You can afford this. It's cheaper <laughs> than buying a pint in your local. If you yes. take a lady out on a date, and if you only pay for... Like, if you say, all I'm going to buy you is is something that's cheaper than a pint, you're not going to get any extras from her. You're not getting any bonuses from her. But you can't from us, because our bonus, our bonus content is cheap like a floozy. Evolution has never been cheaper. Um, <laughs> it's only evolved creatures that form societies and communities. That's what separates us from from base level Homo erectus, right? And MVM, we are a community, and it's about time you guys recognise that you're part of this community and uh, levelled up, supported the community, supported this show. Patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel. It's where all our bonus content lives. Each and every week we release... Obscure, uh, sorry, each and every month we release Obscure Marvel, which everyone Gets access to, um, brand new Episodes go out early access, three days Before the rest of the world, um, there's also Full length bonus episodes out there As well, um, and there's exclusive Video content for those at the Very top tier, you can get On board for just three pounds You can support this show. Me and Will pub hours and hours and hours and hours into this show every single week to bring you guys the very best Marvel content, history, trivia, context. We bring it all to you. It takes no small amount of sweat, plus also blood and also tears. Um, I am a crier. (laughs) And when this show takes a lot of time, I've burst into tears, don't I, Will? Yes, he's a crying boy. He's a crying boy, and I'm a bleeder. I bleed as well. I bleed for this show. I bleed when things get too difficult. Don't I will
1: he, he, you, know, you know? Whatever he needs to do for the show, in regards to you know anything involving any his fluids, body, any, out they come. He, yeah. He's he's a he's a
0: fluidy boy, and we <laughs> we need you to replenish our fluids uh, by heading to Patreon.com/slash Marvel versus Marvel. There are 69 bonus episodes available for you right. Mm. Now, this month we're going to bring out War of Kings With Guardians Volume 3 in the cinemas We're going to take a deep dive into the biggest Guardians story of all time War of Kings, about a war between the once friendly Shia Empire And the Kree Empire, the Captain Marvel um, world They go to war that threatens the very universe The Inhumans are involved, the Guardians of the Galaxy are involved The X-Men are involved There is a dark secret from Charles Xavier's past which threatens the universe. Adam Warlock is involved. Um, It's a big, 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 meaty story. Me and Will are covering it on the Patreon. It's the only place it will be released. Um, We drop a full-length bonus show every single month. Um, There are 35 of them currently. 36 when War of Kings is released. Um, you can get access to that for £10 a month. Um, there's also loads of cool mini-shows as well. Plus, there's early access to every show. Um, we really put it all together. It's a place to reward those that are part of this community. It's there, the bonus content to reward those that contribute, that give back, that support us, that have evolved and levelled up. So head on over. To Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. You can hear War of Kings this month. You can check out Amalgam Comics from last month. You can check out Wakanda Doom War from the month before that. Maximum Carnage. Mm. You can check it all out on Patreon.com slash Marvel (laughs) versus Marvel.
1: On Earth, the Avengers watch as the Quinjet is about to crash to Earth, but Iron Man quickly flies up and uses a deflector shield to send the jet back into space. Back on the High Evolutionary ship, Rocket, Captain Marvel and a much smaller Groot find the Milano and attempt to escape. Outside, Iron Man fights in Earth's orbit with the High Evolutionary as the Milano flies past them. However, several of the High Evolutionary's hybrids are clinging onto the Milano and trying to sabotage it, but the Quinjet comes in and shoots all of them off the Milano. The teams realise that they need to stop the High Evolutionary from getting Thanos' asteroid as the limp body of Iron Man hits the Milano and falls back to Earth, followed by the High Evolutionary. Mad that Iron Man can survive a
0: fall to Earth like that. There's a story in the... um 80s, where Rhodey is Iron Man at the mm. time, not not Tony Stark. Um, and he's um, doing something to the st- a Stark space station, which is in, in orbit. Mm. He gets attacked by AIM, and he falls to Earth. Mm. And normally in the Iron Man armor, that would probably be okay. But the armor's been damaged in the fight, oh, no. um, and its seals don't work, and he starts to burn Alive on re-entry No and He does get rescued by Tony Stark um, That kind of helps But um, Rhodes suffers PTSD um, He can't put on any Iron Man armour after that Without feeling like he's he's burning alive and stuff It's yeah Oh that's bad It was a, a, a big big fear of his Because like, they made him Iron Man And they took it away from him mm. And so I guess they needed an explanation of Why isn't Rhodey just another Iron Man Tony's got loads of suits lying around yeah. So I had to come up with like a reason for why he's not allowed to be called. <laughs> in the most cruel way you could think of. Yeah. Oh, dear.
1: Using new powers similar to Groot's, the High Evolutionary single-handedly takes on the Avengers, even managing to restrain the Hulk. The next moment, the Quinjet and the Milano fly in and open fire on the High Evolutionary. Realising he doesn't have much time, the High Evolutionary warps Thanos' asteroid onto his ship and starts using its power across the Earth. The heroes don't have much time, but Star-Lord comes up with a plan to attack the High Evolutionary. Has the High Evolutionary uh, ever fought the Avengers at all?
0: Um, Sort of. So, uh, in the late 80s, there's a crossover event called the Evolutionary War. Hmm. Um, That is, um, yeah, he go, basically, the high value story goes mad. Mm. Um, he just encounters a being called the Beyonder, mm. who is uh, beyond even him. And he realizes how small and insignificant he is in comparison to this other cosmic being. Mm. And so he gets depressed. And then he goes on, he tries to commit suicide, Oof. and it doesn't work. And then he goes on this uh, mad quest to, like, I'm going to forcibly uh take over and evolve all of humanity so that we become the supreme life form in the universe and anyone who thinks I'm small I'm gonna kill. Um mm. like by by evolving the, the whole, you know, the whole planet. So he goes on him and, and his agents, there's an awful lot of him using different agents. Mm. He goes on throughout all this this crossover to have to kind of um have Conflict with the Fantastic Four, with the X Men, um, with X Factor. He gets into a fight with Apocalypse, which is kind of cool. Um, <laughs> the Silver Surfer, the New Mutants, even the Punisher. Although it's like the Punisher is fighting like agents of a- the yeah, High Evolutionary. Yeah, yeah, that makes um, sense. He he does fight the West Coast Avengers. Hmm. This is when there are two Avengers team. Hawkeye has um, set up another team over on the West Coast. Hmm. Um, and he he has a the biggest part of his plan is he's constructing a bomb that will genetically alter all life on Earth. Mm. Um, he sent some of his minions um, and some superhumans to Wakanda to obtain vibranium to make the bomb. Um, but one of the scientists he's forced into his service is Bill Foster. Now, Bill Foster is secretly um, Goliath, um, who is uh, a former. Is he? A former villain? Is Bill Foster a former villain? Anyway, he's a good guy, mm-hmm. he's a superhero. Um, and he alerts the Black Panther to what's going on, and the Panther and the West Coast Defend uh, Avengers defend uh, uh, Wakanda. Um, but they they don't. So they have a battle. Then the but but high high still nicks some vibranium and builds the bomb. Um. And so he fights in that he's fighting like Mockingbird, Moon Knight, Tigra, Mm. um, and Goliath, Bill Foster, and things like that. Um, And then there is meant to be a conflict with the East Coast team, but the East Coast team has has disbanded and abandoned their headquarters. Um, There is no main Avengers team; it's only the West Coast team. So the compute, the Avengers computers at Avengers Mansion um, put out an alert and basically assembles an ad hoc team of Avengers. Um, they bring in Steve Rogers, who is the captain at that time. Mm. He's not Captain America. Um, the Falcon, Hercules, uh, Hank McCoy the Beast, and the Hulk, and the second Yellow Jacket, um, who I believe just stole the costume. I can't quite remember. <laughs> the big fight what happens is they're like hey there's absolutely no way we can fight the high evolutionary he will he will just wipe us like bugs smeared on a windscreen so they use the high evolutionary's own equipment to hyper evolve hercules into <laughs> until he's a, a godlike being beyond so he's a, basically the, as powerful as the, the high evolutionary and they Bloody have a big fight hell. um yeah and it ends with both the high evolutionary and hercules being evolved out of existence and yeah ends very weirdly but that's the only way to beat him i have to say there's a lot of wild stuff happening on this episode high science
1: fiction baby yeah i love it i I, I, i'm all here for it baby both avengers and the guardians fly to the high evolutionary ship and attack it head-on blasting holes in the side and entering Taking out the hybrids within, Rocket and Hulk disconnect the asteroid, disabling the High Evolutionary absorption field. Inside the asteroid is a sarcophagus that is leaking energy enough to doom the planet. Without wasting any time, the team seals it up as the High Evolutionary makes his entrance. While Star-Lord and Cap try to move the sarcophagus off the ship, Rocket and Hulk chase after the High Evolutionary and fight him. Cap signals for more help with the rest of the Guardians coming to help. Just as the High Evolutionary thinks he has the upper hand on Rocket, Hulk quickly charges the being and kicks him into his draining machine, removing him of his new powers. I take it the High Evolutionary has fought the Guardians, though.
0: No, not really. No. Oh, um, weird. Yeah, it's they don't really he, he's not used, he's not been used a huge amount. Hmm. Um He's not someone like Apocalypse or Doctor Doom mm. that gets used an awful lot during. So this modern team of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. was formed during a crossover event called Annihilation Conquest. Mm. During that, the High Evolutionary appears in Cree space. He's trying to he's trying to save the Cree who are being wiped out by uh, Ultron. <laughs> Ultron has conquered the Kree Empire And he's trying to save the Kree But he's actually not What he's trying to do is just preserve their genome um, uh, okay, he's, yeah. He's built a fortress inside a star <laughs> To do his work And um, Adam Warlock is working for the High Evolutionary They have a long history together um, And so he's kind of around But he doesn't fight them And um, when he finds out that uh, Ultron is involved, he goes running. He's like, I want nothing to do with uh, mechanical beings. I hate them. Can't stand them. Mm. Don't want to be anywhere near them. So he, he, he kind of leaves. So, yeah, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't really do much. Uh, he's not really fought them. No, they don't, they, don't have, they don't really have much of a connection. He does have a connection to Adam Warlock, which we will get to. Excellent, excellent. Flying out of his machine and after the sarcophagus, the
1: High Evolutionary yells at Star-Lord and Cap saying they don't know what forces they possess with that artifact. Star-Lord then opens the sarcophagus, blasting the High Evolutionary with the full forces of its energy disintegrating him. As the team closes the sarcophagus, Ant-Man radios in saying the blue energy is emanating from the ship. Sorry, is emanating and is infecting the ship. The team exit the ship fast while Rocket stays behind to plug the leak in the sarcophagus. The next moment, the ship explodes, sending Rocket flying to Earth before being caught by Captain Marvel. Miraculously, the raccoon survived the explosion. The sarcophagus is nowhere to be found, but Star-Lord hands those Avengers the cosmic seed for Thor, the whole reason why they're visiting Earth in the first place. Saying farewell to the Avengers, the Guardians of the Galaxy leave Earth, as Rocket is shown to have secretly snuck the sarcophagus on board the Milano. I like this little sneaky ending. Yeah? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like what you'd expect Rocket to do. He's he's <laughs> he's, he's not a hero. He's, he's, yeah. yeah, he's very self Yeah, he's yeah, a little thief. So, you've talked about the Avengers meeting the original team of Guardians, but have they ever met Star-Lord's team?
0: Yeah, but not until, like, 2012. Wow. Um, although that does make sense, actually. I don't know why I said it like that, because, yeah, the Star Wars team is quite new in its mm. inception. It was sort of mid-2000s. Um, so there was a, a comic book, a weird comic book. It was called Avengers Assemble, mm. and it was put out to coincide with the release of the Avengers movie in 2012. Mm. And it was it was basically... Designed to attract fans of the MCU to read the comics. Mm. So whilst the Avengers in 2012, the comic book Avengers of 2012, did not match and have the lineup of the movie, Mm. Marvel said, okay, let's put all of the movie characters into a book called Avengers Assemble, and let's put that out so anyone walks in off the street Having seen the movie, they yeah, yeah. go, "Oh, look! There's there's a guy that looks just like Hawkeye in the in the movie. Yeah. There's Hulk. There's Cap. I'll get that." Um, I i i i bought it. I got it. It was a weird. It was written by Brian Michael Bendis, who's one of the best and most high profile writers in the business at the time. I th- assumed it was going to be out of continuity; that it mm. was going to be nothing to do with the Marvel Universe, and it was going to be, you know, a, a thing for the movie fans to buy. But it was pitched as being a full part of Marvel continuity, and it was it just didn't really mention much of continuity whatsoever mm. it like you know what I mean unlike a yeah. regular Marvel comic which carries on from last month, it just kind of didn't mention anything that had happened before really um, <laughs> okay I find it a, I found it a quite a weird re- reading experience it was quite mm. I find it quite almost lightweight in how it was written um but that that comic um brought Thanos in and. The Avengers fought him. And then they did have um, Thanos steals the Cosmic Cube, which is in the Marvel Universe, it's probably as powerful as the Infinity Gauntlet. It can alter reality. Um, and that's when the. And he goes off to. He teams up with the Badoon, mm. the uh, Badoon Exfulgents, who are longtime enemies of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So the Guardians of the Galaxy rock up and join the Avengers. For the first time, Star-Lord's team meets the Avengers team for the very first time, and they they go on to fight Thanos.
1: Season 2, Episode 38, Rock Your Baby. In nowhere, the Guardians of the Galaxy, along with Cosmo, try to stop an energy-emitting cocoon from destroying the universe Just as Rocket starts using a containment field to nullify the cocoon, Star-Lord starts hearing a baby crying from inside and stops Rocket from activating the field. In a blinding white light, the cocoon deactivates, leaving a small alien baby. Reading its mind, Cosmo tells the group that it's only thinking of one word, Warlock. Gamora says that Warlock was the one thing that Thanos feared most, while Groot says that Warlock saved his entire race. As the Guardians argue as to whether they should keep or destroy Warlock, a group of people, the Universal Believers, blast through the wall demanding Warlock as it will lead them through the Golden Age. Right. This is a big one. He's in the new movie. He's a shiny boy. We're seeing him here for the first time. What can you, Rob, what can you tell us about Warlock? (coughs)
0: <coughs> well, um, we first need to start with the Enclave, mm. um, and, uh, a group of scientists on Earth who wanted to use advanced technology to establish a benevolent dictatorship um, under the rule of scientists, like that episode of Simpsons where mm. Mensa, all the, all the top Mensa people um, decide to try and take over uh, Springfield, and it goes terribly wrong. Um, I thought you'd be all over that reference, Will. Sorry, what? Sorry, Did you hear you... anything I just said?
1: I'm Sorry, you just cut out for a sec there.
0: <laughs> oh, right.
1: <laughs> sorry, I'm really sorry. Okay,
0: so I said this is this will repeat, Leonis, over will. So, the Enclave I'm sorry, um, is a guys. group of, uh, of of scientists who want to establish a, a benevolent dictatorship under the rule of scientists, right? Mm. Which is a bit like that Simpsons episode where all the Mensa candidates want to take over Springfield.
1: Oh, God, yeah, we're talking about later simpsons aren't we i, don't know. I just <laughs> remember that episode
0: i thought it was i thought you'd like that reference because it's you like simpsons anyway i'll try <laughs> not to engage again um yeah please, please so, leave me alone <laughs> uh, so they they established this uh this 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 uh it's, it's this headquarters they call the beehive um <laughs> okay uh, and it's on an island in the atlantic and they you know in the eternals there are those creatures called the deviants ah yes i remember the de- deviants. that's in the movies they're just monsters yeah. in the marvel universe they have a whole society they're not just monsters hmm. um and they have incredible technology so the enclave have found a bunch of abandoned deviant technology and they 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 kind of learn how to use it and before long their level of tech is more advanced than any tech on earth And so their first major accomplishment is the creation of a superhumanly powerful humanoid being, a perfect creature (laughs) that they refer to as him, Yes, born out of a large cocoon, fittingly Mm. for the beehive. Um, Mm. The creature, however, as it emerges, immediately senses that its creators are whack jobs you know, <laughs> trying to use him for evil ends so he lashes out he destroys the complex he virtually kills his fathers hmm. um, and promptly escapes into the world um, unfortunately he has like no life experience due to how he was you know created in a in a cocoon and he has no idea how to conduct himself in the world so he he bumps into Thor Uh, Because he finds Lady Sif, the Asgardian And he's like I shall mate with her She seems suitable And he kidnaps her Um, (laughs) Thor promptly beats him to death um, (laughs) Because you're not allowed to do that Um, No And uh, (laughs) on the brink of death um, he is able to summon a cocoon around him again, and he goes back into his going and oh, didn't like that, that was a mistake, and he heals inside the cocoon, and then is later at some point reborn again. Um, death and rebirth, big part of this. Upon his rebirth, he um, runs into the High Evolutionary, who becomes a guiding force in in him's life. Uh, One of the first things he does is go, you need a name. I shall call you Warlock. Um, And the High Evolutionary gives Warlock purpose and direction. Um, And he also gives him the Soul Gem. The Soul Ah, Stone, as it's known in the MCU, which rests in the middle of his forehead, uh, on Warlock's forehead. And it is... In, in in the Marvel Universe, it is quite a vampiric item. It mm. it has a longing to consume the souls of those around it. Right. It also contains within it every soul it has ever absorbed, living in a paradise called Soul World. <laughs> wow, there you go. that's wild. The High Evolutionary goes, um, "I've got this planet around the corner, all the side of the of the sun. I've got this planet called Counter Earth. Why don't you come over here?" Right, and it's been contaminated by a, a, a terrible beast called the Man Beast. He's introduced sin and evil into the world. You should go down there, my son, and save everyone. So this is where we get that Messiah story. Mm. Adam Warlock is this kind of messianic creature, this Christ-like figure mm. that goes down from the Creator of the world onto the earth to to. Uh, Stop the world from being destroyed by the corruption Of the Um, man-beast Eventually he just becomes a superhero Like this idea that it's a very Masonic story, sure But Warlock punches people and shoots, like you know, energy out of his hands and stuff. Christ, I'm not entirely sure did much of that. <laughs> At least not when I last read the Bible.
1: No, 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 no. He was more about feeding the five thousand, not blasting the five thousand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but Warlock becomes the champion of Counter Earth, mm. um, and it's here that he's given the name Adam, um, Adam Warlock. Um and he becomes the first superhero, he saves the people time and again, and eventually amasses this kind of army of devoted followers before he is uh, arrested and executed by the government, dies and re- comes back to life, very much like the, the, the Bible story. He later journeys across the universe um, and starts to encounter the other kind of Marvel characters, the the, the kind of the real Earth heroes. Mm. Um, He almost immediately kind of comes across the mad Titan Thanos. Um, Mm. They initially work together. Eventually, they become enemies and have to fight. Um, Warlock dies in battle with Thanos when Thanos is trying to destroy the universe. Mm. But Warlock's soul is so powerful that... As he dies, his soul, his disembodied soul, is able to defeat Thanos. Um, Wow. Transforms him into stone. Um, And then when Thanos returns to life and once again seeks out to destroy the, 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 the universe, this time by assembling the Infinity Gauntlet and all the stones together, it's Adam Warlock who... Rallies the troops and leads the battle Against Thanos He is the only other being in the galaxy That could hope to wield the power Of all the Infinity Gems
1: I'm really looking forward to seeing him I'm really looking forward to it It's
0: going to be interesting Yeah.
1: Yeah. As the Universal Believers Advance on the Guardians Warlock absorbs their weapons into his body Witnessing his power The Universal Believers bow to the floor In front of their god Activating a teleporter, the Guardians take Warlock back to the Milano and escape nowhere. As the Guardians figure out how to raise a child, albeit a rather powerful child, they get an angry call from the Nova Corps who demand they hand over Warlock. The next second, the ship comes under fire from Believers. As the Milano comes under fire, Warlock uses his powers to teleport the Milano away to safety. As this is happening, a Nova Centurion helmet goes berserk and allows Titus, a dangerous inmate, to escape thanks to the helmet's cosmic powers. He mentions if the legends are true, Titus can use the helmet to rule an entire system alone. Finding his way through the prison, Titus finds that the Guardians are in possession of Warlock and flies off to find them. So, we first saw Adam Warlock in the MCU... In the post-credit scene of Guardians of the Galaxy Two, yeah, is fully grown.
0: Mm.
1: There's no baby Warlock to be seen. Yeah, oh, that's a shame.
0: Um, he's pretty <laughs> powerful. <laughs> was, was that a question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I, I, I don't know. I've no idea what's going to happen in the movie. Yeah, but, but baby Warlock is also not something you ever see in the comics. Oh, this is something for the TV show. This TV he sh- steps out of the cocoon as ah. as him as a fully grown person. Oh, he fair. never like part of his thing is he never he was, he's never kind of like grown and that's why he goes mad when he first steps out and sees a woman he's like Hah-ha!
1: wah-ha ha horn uh, yeah that's yeah I, I can imagine so we've mentioned how powerful he is he's like a messianic figure
0: with loads of powers but how how powerful is Warlock He's got I mean what you might consider standard cosmic superpowers in Marvel. He's <laughs> superhumanly strong, mm. um fast, durable, agile, he can fly. Mm. Um, he can manipulate cosmic energy and he can, you know, shoot cosmic energy mm. out of his hands and he can heal himself. He can cre- he creates that cocoon when he's dark di- when he's going to die. Um he can, his, he can be killed, but death will not claim his soul. Oof! Death wants nothing to do with him, so he always comes back. Um, and his powers increase with every resurrection. Nice. That wasn't immediately known. It just became apparent that so, he's kind of like Gandalf. He's kind of like Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he kind of, re- really, probably is. Yeah. 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 Um. So when he comes back uh before the um during the events of the annihilation conquest right before he he uh so we see him there when he, right before he meets star Lord for the first time, he develops his ability to manipulate what he calls quantum magic mm. um and uh yeah that allows him to teleport travel faster than light um produce like create wormholes stargates out of thin air. Mm. Um, and things like that, so he and, and also conducting tense mystic spells that can manipulate reality, mm. um, and timelines and stuff. Yeah, very, very powerful. The quantum magic, the soul gem he possesses, mm. it eventually, as I've said, it can it hungers for the life energies of organic beings oh, and it will absorb and suck their souls into the into the into its uh pocket universe. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he's he's a very, very powerful dude. Yeah, very powerful.
1: Again, looking forward to seeing him show off. Because like, already in the trailer, we're seeing something that looks like Captain Marvel. Like, you know, that kind of fiery being that's flying through space.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Same That'll kind of thoughts. Warlock,
1: yeah. Yeah, looking forward to it. Recovering from their sudden and unexpected warp, the Guardians are surprised to see Warlock has aged to a boy. Each of the members try to take care of the child, but parenting an all-powerful being isn't something they're fully prepared to do. After Star-Lord manages to coax Warlock from not using his mighty powers by just playing with crayons, they notice one of the pictures Warlock has drawn is that of his protectors, the Guardians. The next second, Tat... Titus, uh, I've written it down wrong here. It's Titus, isn't it? Yeah. Titus crashes. Or Titus. Titus. (laughs) Tycho Titus. Uh, Titus crashes through the Milano and grabs Warlock before travelling to planet Onateak.
0: I would have just written, travelling to the alien planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As I was reading that sentence, I was like, going, here it comes. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm reading that in a comic book, I'll, I won't even bother trying to pronounce that. I'll go, yep, that's the word. That's, that's the on. word. That's the series, series of letters. So, Titus, is he from the original comics? Is
1: he a Guardians of the Ga- Ga- Galaxy villain or...?
0: Not a Guardians. Interesting, because he shows up loads in this series. Yeah. Loads. Okay. Um, but he's not a Guardians villain, but he is a cosmic villain, um, a relatively new one. Um, in 2013, Marvel did, like, a reboot of the Nova series. Mm. Nova's been a character, a cosmic character, since the 1970s. mm Well, he starts off as a Spider-Man character, Spider-Man-style teenage character, and then they make him a cosmic character. mm but they introduce like a um a new nova right. a clueless teenager, very young teenager actually called Sam Alexander, who right. finds after his father's death he finds and then inherits his father's nova helmet and powers mm. and discovers all the dangers of the cosmos um Sam eventually finds out that his father was part of a black ops unit of the Nova corps called the supernovas informally known as the Black Novas for two reasons. The first reason is all their helmets were black instead of gold for Mm. stealth purposes. The second reason they were called the Black Novas is because its membership was exclusively thieves and killers, Mm. including Sam's dad. That's when he finds out his dad was a wrongan. Oh, wow. But one of his dad's teammates in in this Black Ops group was Titus, a huge white Tiger Alien of an unknown race. A vicious killer. When a mission goes wrong, Sam's dad deserts the squad and abandons Titus, leaving him for dead. Um, he doesn't die. He is badly they're attacked by the Chitari um, who who nearly kill Titus. He loses his arm and he loses his eye. Um, and then he's enslaved by the Chitari and he works for them for many, many years. They replace his arm and his eye with cybernetics and mm. a giant gun and stuff, and eventually he he uh, kind of frees himself from the chitari and he comes to Earth in search of the man who abandoned him, uh, but finding instead the young son and he's like, well, got to take this out on someone, kid.
1: <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, fun character. Yeah. On the planet's surface, Warlock, now even older, is shocked to discover that the Centurion helmet that Titus wears renders the criminal invulnerable to Warlock's powers. Titus tells Warlock he's going to train Warlock to take on the Nova Corps out of revenge, but Warlock's immaturity enrages Titus and the two squabble, using their powers against each other. The Milano makes an entrance and fires missiles at Titus, blasting him back, but Titus is able to blast the Milano forcing it to crash land however upon inspecting the wreckage titus is ambushed by the guardians who managed to eject from the ship before the crash we see we saw the nova Corps in the first guardians movie and they're nothing like this they were just Uh, regular guys with spaceships yeah there's some real power here how powerful are they in the comic books
0: yeah in the comic books they each have one of these centurion helmets yeah um, and they're they they are all connected to the Nova Force. Mm. That's the source of power um, for 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 all the Novas, um, which is controlled by the living computers of Zandar, um, <laughs> which is the, uh, the the Zandarian World Mind is called. Mm. Um, and each each Nova Core member can access a different amount of Nova Force depending on their rank. The higher their rank in this military operation um the more power they can access um, some well, so there was a, there was one um Garth and Saal who became the supernova because he could access the most nova force. He mm. went mad um because too much power will do that yeah um, but yes they it gives them the ability to. Um, fly to have super strength, super speed, reflexes. Um, they can uh, produce blasts of um cosmic energy. Um, they can fly faster than light. They'll have like a, a limited healing factor. Um, yeah, so stuff like that. Um, the helmet also connects them to World Mind, the Zandarian compute living computer hmm. that will um, it becomes so during the annihilation. Stories, the writers kind of change world mind a little bit and have it be this kind of annoying sat nav in in the in the Nova's mind, and it's like alert Nova, a uh, danger is incoming to your left. Like <laughs> yes, I can see it. I am currently fighting it. Alert Nova, you appear to be bleeding. Yes, like no, I'm bleeding. It's kind of a fun dynamic when they when they do that in Annihilation. That's good. Um, that's good. Yeah. And they have like an argument. It always becomes a little bit like Kit from Knight Rider as well. Oh
1: yeah, um, I was thinking of uh, Rogue Trooper from 2000 AD where he has. Oh yeah, the, a little y- bit. Yeah, 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 but they have yeah. they have
0: all different personalities in it. Mm. Like dead, they have dead soldier personalities. So, yeah, in the helmet, the gun. Is it just those two? In the backpack. It's the, back- the backpack is another yeah. one as well. Yeah. Man, what a series!
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt, but speaking of Road Trooper, uh, they're, they're doing a run at the moment, and uh, it's Garth Ennis.
0: During a what? Sorry,
1: a oh, run it of it. The, the, the current, oh, current, right. current, current 2000 AD, There's a there's a there's a. Um, that Garth Storm. Ennis
0: makes sense because he loves military fiction. He's written loads and loads mm. of it. He he did the Dan Dare series for ah. Virgin Comics, which is really good. Ah, got you, got you, got gotcha. He, he loves anything military. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, well, and they've got the, they have the 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 Nova uniform which lets them basically survive in space. You know, yeah, um, it's a spacesuit. Um, so they don't, they don't have spaceships. They don't have spaceships. They fly through space <laughs> like a super being. Amazing, um, and they can, yeah, they can even um, can they? I think they can generate stargates. The most powerful ones of How's them can use. They can generate a stargate and leap to another side of the of the universe. So so yeah, they are. They're they're not. They wouldn't need to get on board a ship. They'd they do everything like they can fly in and out of orbit. They can generate a stargate. They can fire blasts of energy. Yeah, they're they are Marvel's version of the Green Lanterns. Oh, that is a that is a very they, good comparison. Yeah, I mean, very yeah. very right from the get go from the from the origin story of the in the, in the seventies. Mm. It is. An alien, di- an alien police officer, basically dies. Yeah, and passes, passes it on to all- a young kid. Um, yeah, they don't; they're not able to create objects out of energy, but all all the other parts of it, they yeah. are the police force of the of the galaxy. Yeah, that's a really good comparison.
1: The team fights Titus, but the criminal is too powerful for them. However, Star-Lord remembered to signal for backup and they are suddenly surrounded by Nova Corps ships, which suppress Titus. But Titus tries to coerce Warlock into destroying the ships by threatening to kill the Guardians, whom Warlock sees as his friends. As Warlock gets more emotional from Titus shouting at him, Warlock starts emanating great energy and loses control of his powers, blasting everyone back. Titus blasts Warlock, finally able to hurt Warlock, Finally able to hunt Warlock after the boy's gem turned dark, making him fair game. Realising that this shift makes Warlock able to partake on Titus, Warlock reduces the criminal to dust in a single blast, leaving only the Centurion Helmet. Realising what he has done, Warlock's guilt overpowers him and he inadvertently summons a Cyclone. Realising that what, what needs to be done, Gamora heads into the storm and dons the Centurion Helmet. Suddenly, Gamora witnesses visions of Warlock dying and then being reborn as a powerful and evil figure. So that this was a bit unclear to me when I was watching it. I, I I thought it was like a look at the future. I didn't realize it was him being reborn.
0: Oh well, just he gets dragged under the water. Ah, yes, okay. And then he emerges from the water again, right? As a new kind of thing. It's it's and and I am um, yeah and. D- Warlock's all about death and rebirth, so yeah.
1: So, I take it he becomes evil in the
0: original stories? Well, we've obviously looked at this in um, one of our Guarding the Galaxy bonus episodes. Hmm. Warlock, when Jim Stalin took over the character, comes into contact with a malicious being known as the Magus. The ah, head, yes. The head of the Universal Church of Truth. Hmm. The Magus has ground billions of life forms. Under his heel across the cosmos, um, Warlock fights the Magus and then finds out. And this was a in the seventies uh, when this happened. It's, it's now a trope now, but not back then. He then discovers the the Magus is himself from the future, a, a twisted version of himself who's just given into insanity and madness,
1: kind of like the Maestro. Maestro. Yes, yeah, 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 and the yeah. Hulk
0: thing, which mm. came later on in the nineties and stuff. Mm. Um, Warlock tries to beat himself, but cannot do it on his own. So he teams up with Gamora and uh, Thanos for the first wow. time. Wow! Thanos does not want this threat. He he's not going to let someone else come in and take over the universe and do whatever they want. Mm. Um. Together, they end up basically destroying the timeline um that, that Magus comes from um can, you know making sure it never happens. But then Thanos projects Warlock two years into the future, where he Warlock finds himself dying from a fight, right against Thanos mm. And as he's bad, not that he's badly injured, and he's angry and he's annoyed, and he is basically about to turn into the Magus. Ah, uh, okay. The Magus is the thing that will kill Thanos. So Thanos sends Good Warlock two mm. years into the future, and Warlock has to stop himself from becoming the Magus by mm. killing himself. Oh, which frees Thanos from the curse. Magus isn't going to kill me now because yeah. right before he becomes powerful enough to kill me, his past self arrives and kills him. Yeah. And Warlock then goes back to the modern day and he's like, "Ah, you've just outplayed me." <laughs> and then Very good play though. 2 years down the line in that story, Warlock starts to die in a fight with Thanos. And what happens? <laughs> himself from the past arrives and kills him. Oh!
1: Mwah, chef's kiss.
0: Oh. Jim Starlin, baby. Knows how to do it, yeah. That is incredible. But as, as we discovered in our in our bonus episode on Guarding the Galaxy, the Magus has returned to plague Adam Warlock several times since then, mm. and it's a haunting reminder of what he may one day become. That's brilliant. I really hope they... I don't
1: think they have enough time in the story to handle Magus, but... uh, We
0: might get glimpses of what he might become, but this is just a starting point for the character. There's there's so much to look forward to. Yeah, we could get a a Warlock series down the line, Mm -hmm. who knows?
1: Arguing as to whether they need to protect or destroy Warlock, Star-Lord heads into the Eye of the Storm and tries to talk sense into Warlock and show empathy. Even though the helmet has said Warlock is bad, Starlord tells him that each of the Guardians have bad qualities about them which they overcame. Warlock believes Starlord's words and the storm subsides. As each of the Guardians tells Warlock that they believe in him, Warlock emits another blinding flash and transforms into an adult. Starlord names him Adam Warlock just as the Nova Corps arrived to retrieve the Centurion helmet which is now nullified. After thanking the guardians for helping him, Warlock undoes the damage he has done and flies off to start his quest that he was, has undertake. He has to undertake alone. So yeah, Ooh, I am really excited to see Adam Warlock in the film <laughs> yeah. after seeing this in the cartoon. I'm really excited for this. So, does he join the guardians in the original comics?
0: So, Annihilation Conquest is, is kind of about Ultron um, conquering the Kree mm. Empire and and maybe un- unleashing this techno-organic alien creatures called the Phalanx on the rest of the galaxy. Um, a recently reborn Adam Warlock fights alongside Star Lord and Nova, mm. um, and Warlock is able to unlock like the full potential of his new quantum magic powers, and he kills Ultron which was uh, impossible for anybody else to do. And after those events, he, he, he is persuaded by Star-Lord to join this new thing that uh, Star-Lord is putting together, the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is basically, they say, look, the first Annihilation War happened, and we were, as a cosmos, we were taken by surprise mm. because Annihilus came in with his army and c- tried to kill everyone. Mm. We just about survived that after fighting a brutal war and then as we're about to start rebuilding the galaxy, Ultron arrives and does it all over again. And Star-Lord's whole thing is, this can't happen a third time. We won't survive. <laughs> like, we we just won't. Um, each of these wars is um, weakening the fabric of reality. It's weakening the space-time continuum, the stuff that mm. all of reality is made of. Because what's what happening is During these cosmic wars Weapons of um, cosmic mass destruction Are being unleashed Which threaten to destroy the universe So Star-Lord says We need a proactive team That go out there And stop this stuff before it happens And he tries to talk to the big guys He tries to get Thor And Silver Surfer And the the leaders of these empires To come together but they're too concerned with their own politics to do anything about it. So Star-Lord has no choice but to put together this ragtag band of a of a mm. tree and a mercenary raccoon and a bunch of assassins, and mm. that's all he's got. And Adam Warlock, he's the only big player, and he listens to this and he's like, I'm going to come with you, despite the fact I think you're all insane, because... <laughs> With my new abilities, I can feel that the fabric of space-time is weak, and it's getting weaker and weaker with every big fight. So he is sensing anytime there are these fissures, these breaches in reality, which mm. let horrific Cthulian creatures bleed through so he's like we've got to get it done we've got to save everything and he leads the guardians towards these breaches and and they have to do these uh these great big on-the-spot men's as they fight off monstrous creatures Mm. and that really leads to perhaps the biggest threat to the space-time continuum is the war of kings the battle between kings the battle between the Shi'a Empire and the Cree Empire. Um, that is going to be our deep dive bonus episode this month. Um, it pushes the fabric of reality to the very brink of collapse. Um, in fact, it does collapse. And... It's up to the Guardians of the Galaxy, Adam Warlock, the Inhumans and the X-Men to try and stop the most insane Emperor the Galaxy has ever seen. You don't want to miss this one. Patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel. That's our big bonus episode for this month. There we have it, folks. We've taken a dive into Rocket Raccoon's secret history into the High Evolutionary, um, and into Adam Warlock, ahead of um, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 movie, using what is a really fun animated series uh, from 2015. Check it out on Disney+. Plus. Will, um, I'd love to get your favourite pieces of trivia that you've learned hmm. from this episode. They, 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 there's so much to be gleaned to the trivia from this episode. It's been a
1: wild one, hasn't it? It's been wild, I mean... Uh, I like the fact that the high evolutionary is a guy called Herbert from Manchester. <laughs> I uh, I like the whole thing about the Toy Wars. That sounded crazy. But I have to I, I, I say I really loved the uh, hearing about the Magus time loop. Oh yeah, <laughs> where, where where Adam Warlock comes two years into the future and then kills the, off.
0: Yeah. Thanos plays that excellent checkmate move. That's yeah, um, such a good move. Your final thoughts on uh, on this series then?
1: Yeah, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon is a fun and well-executed thing to watch, like the Avengers cartoon we looked at before. It gets, gets most of what made the films great in a nice animated setting. I love the Avengers crossovers and it's surprisingly funny too.
0: Yeah, it's a really... I was expecting this to be a bit more, comer, more commercial than I thought it was going to be, perhaps a bit yeah. more lightweight, a bit more sanitised. It was uh, a lot it, of fun. They got the balance just right. Um, if you are uh, liked what you've heard today and want to um, check out some uh, reading material from Marvel, um, you want to be looking for Warlock by Jim Starlin. Um, it's a great collection. Um, I don't know if the Evolutionary War is in... I don't think it's in print. I don't think it's been massively connected but you might be able to find some old trades out there of the evolutionary mm. war with the with the high evolutionary annihilation conquest has been out of print for a long 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 time um if you can find it it's a good starting place it's where the new guardians of the galaxy begins um the rocket raccoon series by bill mantlo and mike mignola is a very very fun read Though it feels like it has nothing to do with the Marvel Universe. If you can grab hold of that, I recommend it. And Guardians of the Galaxy by Abnett and Lanning. Dan Abner and Andy Lanning. Mm. Um, writing the series that inspired all these movies. Check that out. Next episode, Will. Mm. Next episode. Next deep dive episode, we're going back to the MCU. Yes. The start of this year, we announced a project. It was it was we're doing the Marvel Universe remastered. We realized in our first year, when we, three years ago, when we didn't know what we were doing, we rushed our way through phase one of the MCU, knocking out episodes without any real structure, with terrible recording equipment, no idea what we were doing. So we started this year with Iron Man Remastered, giving the phase one of the MCU. The real MVM treatment that we would give it now. that the, the true respect it deserves. That those first episodes are clunky and didn't have. We're carrying it on. The next deep dive... Incredible Hulk Remastered We're going to give it The absolute Proper deep dive That we would give Anything in this day And age Using all our Full experience now Of how to make a podcast And we're going to Make something We're really really Proud of You're going to Really really love it It's been a long Long time Since we looked At this character Incredible Hulk Remastered I'm really pumped Will's really pumped Yes Um, Join us for that one And don't forget For full bonus content And awesome bonus episodes Check out Patreon.com Slash Marvel vs Marvel. Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written, and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show is produced by Will Preston, and our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to Patreon.com/slash Marvel vs. Marvel for awesome bonus content.